Welcome to Mr. Bait and Switch. Ghost stories to keep you and your organization alive. Each of these stories is written to reflect on life-giving insights, but you have to figure out what the insight is that will keep you alive. For more information and reflection and discussion questions, go to spacepainter.com. And now, let's get to our next story. The Founder Written by J. Thomas Sparrow And read by Geraldine Hoxie Sparrow Dear reader, now I see that I was wrong, but I can't change the past. I remember that I spoke to Michael in his dreams. Are you going to let my company fall apart? Get off your lazy butt and get back to work. Two weeks after my funeral, my beloved Michael went back to work. Better late than never, I thought. It hadn't occurred to me that he was actually mourning my death, that he loved me despite our differences. I am ashamed to say that what did occur to me was that the upstart moved into the boss's room. My room, Mr. Hugh North, the founder of the company. That is ridiculous, of course, but honestly, I was outraged. Michael left my desk and chair in the office, but he removed my antique lamp, my original rotary phone, and my floor-to-ceiling filing system. As he sat in my leather chair, I spoke to him as if he could hear me. You have no right to move anything. Follow my orders. Michael slowly pushed his hands over his ears like he was a child. He cleared his throat and mumbled, leave me alone. The veil between the living and the dead is thin. For 47 years, I ran the constant call telemarketing firm. For 23 of those years, we were the largest telemarketing company in the nation. My son joined the business in year 31 just as we had started our decline in market share. Michael was fresh out of business school and full of new ideas to bring us back to our former glory. He was telling me what to do. Gradually, he got my message. I don't take orders from anyone. The rules of our firm were set years ago, and those rules have led to our success. Change the rules over my dead body. After my death, I thought my spirit would become the voice of reason in his head, but he was headstrong and wouldn't listen. Within a week of taking charge, he gathered a group of nine employees into my workroom. I named them the Inept Nine. As you know, I am not my father. I believe that each of you has an important role to play in helping to decide the future of Constant Call. I want to work together to ensure the growth of our company. I had never been afforded the chance to go to college and resented those who thought they were better than me because of it. My hard work and clear leadership built my company. My son didn't seem to understand that. I said to Michael, fool, you know nothing. People need the iron fist of management to feel secure in their duties. If you give people choices to do anything, they will flounder. They need clear direction. For years, I had been fighting the winds of change that were a constant threat to a solid organization. I had a proven system, and it was stupidity to mess with it. Sure, you tweak it, but you don't change it. 
Over time, I was sure my market share would return. My son and his team decided to expand modalities and embrace new systems. Current times required current methods. No, I shouted into his ear. If you lose the core methods of my business, your energies will be scattered and wasted. Shortly after that, he had my desk and chair moved into the basement. Then, with the complete backing of the inept nine, he put the building up for sale. As the memo to the full staff read, we are streamlining our operations, ensuring job security, and moving into a state-of-the-art facility. My heart sank. That building represented my greatest accomplishments in life. I felt something stirring inside me. It wasn't anger. It was remorse. I asked myself, why is he doing this? Imagine that, a dead man pondering the questions of life. It took me weeks to honestly answer that question. I didn't want to face the truth, but it came into focus. I saw that I hadn't listened to my son since he had been back from college. I longed for the days of his youth, when he did everything I asked of him without question. My pride came tumbling down. I sank into despair as I saw that I was the one who needed to change. Yet, I still didn't want to lose the building. On the day the important papers were signed, the contract went into the old-fashioned mailbox on the edge of my parking lot. What were they thinking? Had they not heard of registered mail? There, as twilight descended, I put my hand and arm into that mailbox and pulled the letter forth. A strong rain was falling, and I dropped the letter into the gutter and watched it wash down the graded drain. About a week later, my beloved son Michael came to my building late at night, 11.37 p.m. to be exact. I was in the basement, sitting in my chair, thinking about the cancer that had eaten my body. I know you are here, he shouted. I am tired of you trying to run my life. I don't know how you did it, but only you could have stopped that deal. I heard the elevator engage. A moment later, the door opened and he was in the basement. It was good to see him, even if he was angry. He got a dolly and managed to get my desk onto it and into the elevator. Over the next two hours, he removed all of my things and wheeled them into the side parking lot. On the final trip, I rode with him in the elevator. I looked into his eyes, wishing he could see me and hear me clearly. I said, I'm sorry. He dropped his head and ran his hands through his hair. I'm sorry, too, he said under his breath. I could see that his eyes were moist from the disappointment of this task. The elevator doors opened. He wheeled the last cabinet to the parking lot. It was all there in a pile. My lamp, my chair, my filing cabinets, even my favorite coffee mug. He got a five-gallon can of kerosene out of the trunk of his car. He poured it on my things. It streamed out of the can and splashed all over my possessions. My mouth was open in disbelief. I whispered in his ear, Don't do it, son. It's yours now. Save it. 
He shook his head as if he heard every word and whispered, You are dead. It is my company now. How am I supposed to move forward with you trying to control my life? My son left the empty kerosene can on my desk. Pulling out a pack of matches, he struck a match against the flint. The yellow flame flashed in the darkness of the parking lot. He tossed it onto my leather chair. Engulfed in flames, I watched my chair, my desk, my lamp, my life burn to the ground. My relationship to my son went up in flames. When the blaze was over, Michael said in a choked voice, Time to move on. I'm done with you, Dad. I can't let you hold me back anymore. I have a business to run. I have to figure out how to pay the bills. And my family needs me more than you do. He got into his car and drove off. He left me crying in the smoldering parking lot. So now, months later, I am sitting in the corner of the basement in my empty building. I am lonelier one day to the next. I know it is time for a change, but I don't know where to go. I will put this note in a bottle and drop it down the same drain I used for the contract. If you are reading this, please help me. Perhaps you have found both the bottle and the contract? Would you be so kind as to deliver them to my son? I don't know how to move on without him. Sincerely, Hugh North Thanks for listening to Mr. Bait and Switch, ghost stories to keep you and your organization alive. Remember, to see reflection and discussion questions, go to spacepainter.com. This podcast is brought to you by Resounding Source Audio.